Hi, welcome to Find My Next Office podcast. My name is Karina Irvin, and I'm the founder of Peninsula Commercial Real Estate Group. Each episode, I'm going to sit down with clients of mine to talk about their experience as an entrepreneur and also learn about their journey in finding their next office. Please enjoy this next episode, and thanks so much for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Find My Next Office podcast. We're here in episode two. And as mentioned before, at the beginning of each episode, I'd like to share some information on frequently asked questions in the commercial real estate office leasing world. So for today's episode, let's discuss the difference between rentable square footage versus usable square footage. It comes up a lot. It's in your leases. And an easy way to remember it and to visualize it is the usable square footage is the carpetable area or the space that you can add carpet to. This is the interior of the space that you're using. The rentable square footage is what you pay on, which includes the lobby, the building elevator, the basement, the hallways, basically the common area of a building. And that's what you're actually paying on in your lease. Uh, Now, keep in mind, in some markets, the rentable square footage is just an inflated usable square footage number. And what they do is they basically add something called the load factor to your usable square footage to grow, you know, basically gross up to your rentable. So for example, a building has a load factor of 10%, you would just increase your usable square footage by that 10%. And that's the rentable number, which you will be paying on. Hope that's helpful. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode two of Find My Next Office podcast. On today's episode, I'm so excited for my friend and my client, Angie Collins. I'll let Angie tell us more about her journey in a minute, but let me just share some information on this wonderful woman. Angie was a publicist for over 35 years. She represented some high-profile celebrity clientele. Um, She's also the founder of Women in PR. And over the pandemic, she decided to retire from being in PR and start a luxury shoe brand called Coco and Blue Collective, and she's just about to be in Nordstrom's. Uh, Angie has a rapidly growing company, and in fact, I've helped her move twice now into two different spaces, and we're just about to embark on our journey on finding her third space. So I'm so excited for her. Uh, Welcome, Angie, to the show. Hey, Angie. Hey, Karina. How are you? Good, good, good. Thank you so much for being my second guest here on my podcast. I'm excited. Yay for the podcast. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I think our listeners have a lot to learn from you. So let's jump into it. Um, Can you tell us uh, how you got started as an entrepreneur and basically your journey on how we're here and how you got to where you are today? I'm from the Bay Area, San Francisco originally, and I started in the entertainment industry as an MC hammer dancer. As I was going to school, I was on tour with Hammer. I mean, I'm talking about we started when there were six people in the club. I was with him when he got his deal. So I watched us go from six people to 300 people. The last tour I did was Us, Boys to Men, and TLC had just came out. And that was in 1993. Knees got bad. It's like time to stop. At the time I was dancing with Hammer, there was a person there named of Tupac that was a dancer with Digital Underground. And when I finished dancing, he had already, his career had already started. He 
then signed with Death Row Records and he kind of didn't trust anybody over there. So he was like, you're not doing anything with your degree. So why don't you come over here and help me? So the All Eyes on Me campaign, which is probably one of the biggest campaigns I ever did in my whole entire life, was mine. Um, after he died, I decided I was going to pack my clothes. I'm just going to go to New York. I don't know nobody. I'm just going to take off. I'm leaving California and I'm going to New York. Um, I get there and I intern at Arista Records. At the time, the industry was male dominated. So they tried to do everything they could to possibly make me quit, but just didn't work out. So after a year, they hired me on as tour support. So I went on tour support with Pink, Outkast, Linkin Park, and Usher. And then I did that for three years. And then I got offered an opportunity to work at a nightclub called SOBs. And it's been in New York forever today. They've had everybody from Eric Clapton to Stevie Wonder on their stage. I was responsible for like that whole neo soul movement that came along with Jill Scott, Erica Badu, Common, Talib Kweli, the list goes on right there. And then 9-11 hit. And after 9-11 hit, the music industry changed. And my ex-husband at that time was from Houston, Texas. So he said, let's just go to Houston. I get there. The music scene is called Chopped and Screwed. And I was like, what is this mess? Okay. These people sound like they drunk, high, whatever. I couldn't get into it. So I had a friend that played for the Jets that the Houston Texans ended with their team. And so he uh, got traded to the Texans. And so he was like, um, you're not doing nothing with your career, so why don't you do my Celebrity Weekend? Which led into me working with Allen Iverson, Plastical Burris, Adam Peck, every bad player in the world I probably had with the exception of Michael Vick. Okay? I mean, between bailing people out of jail and, and, and hiding stuff, it was a lot. It was a whole lot going on. Uh, and so anyways, just to shorten it down, um, I ended up getting back in the music industry because of another artist by the name of Mike Jones. I went from there until 2019, which I fell and broke my ankle. And I had a lot of time to sit there and think about, do I really want to continue being grown people? And the answer turned out to be no. <laughs> then we went from there into the pandemic. And um, I was like, you know what? The one thing I've always liked and most people always knew me for was shoes. Um, so I said, I'm going to launch a shoe company. I didn't have a clue about what I was doing, but I figured that it couldn't be that hard, which I'm learning this a lot, but <laughs> it couldn't be that hard. And so December, 2020, Coco and Blue Collective was born. Wow. I, you know what I love about this podcast is, you know, we get to hang out, we get to be friends, but I don't know actually your full story. So I had no idea you represented Tupac. That's amazing. But okay, so let's talk about this um, Coco and Blue Collective. So it sounds like you've obviously found a niche. Um, it's rapidly growing. You didn't know much about it, but now you had the confidence to know that whatever it is, you'll figure it out, which, you know, you sounds like you've done throughout your career. So tell us kind of, so now you've started, let's, let's talk about our journey about how we found your first office. You moved to a fabulous showroom. And so now we're moving to your, a, a lot larger space, um, closer to 10,000 square feet. And so here's the question. How do you know, and maybe our listeners can kind of learn from this, how do you know when you're kind of like pushing the boundaries of growth and could get comfortable with that next stage? When you don't have any space, because, <laughs> you know, I started in my bedroom, okay, and we went into the other space and that was, what was there, what, six, seven months, and then we went to this space right here, and now I'm outgrowing this space right here, which was bigger than the one we had before, for Coco and Blue Collective, is like two things going on. There's a luxury line and there's an affordable luxury line, which is called fast fashion. And for people who don't know what fast fashion is, it's like when you see a dress on Rihanna or a pair of shoes on Rihanna, we duplicate them. 
and we sell them for a lower price. And so by that happening is I have more inventory coming in, but I got a lot of inventory going out because our price points on there are anywhere from $40 to $150. Now, if you're the more luxury girl who, you know, wants to be more exclusive or whatever, then our price points are different from $150 to $450. So for me, I guess, as you know, <laughs> I kind of grew fast. It happened faster than what I thought it was going to happen. Then I think a lot of it has to do because I do have a PR background that I was able to get placements on certain celebrities, certain publications, and that kind of helped a lot as far as sales go. But like I said, I, I, I probably have lost a lot of money along this journey between buying samples or getting the wrong manufacturers or even, you know, um, down to boxes is like, you know, there's a whole lot of different steps that goes into this and finding a space is really crucial for me because I have to have space for inventory for like three different lines. You know, I have my affordable line, my luxury line, and now my men line. And so that's kind of key. And then also having a, um, an area that, uh, that's big enough for shipping. Cause that's like the component of everything. So, cause you know, mistakes happen. You don't want mistakes to happen. And you know, and I'm very hands-on, as you know, so I'm very into quality control. So every shoebox I open, every single one of them. People are like, why do you do that? I said, because sometimes you'll get a case and it'll say that there are black shoes on there. <laughs> and then you open up their shoes and they'll be brown. And you're like, what the heck just happened here? So imagine if I just sent that shoe out without me looking and a person received a brown shoe, then I got customer service complaints. And I ordered a size, I ordered black, I ordered this. And you're just like, oh God. And that's another that's another bad element is the customer service. Yeah, but I think what's what's interesting about your journey is I think, you know, we try to negotiate some flexibility in the leases, write a first offer on expansion space. But I think what's interesting specifically about your business is that you went from an office space to a showroom space in downtown LA where you're actually able to leverage some of the marketing from the local fashion brands that are in the same building as you. And then as you grew even more, you realize I need a warehouse space that can really help with the shipping and the receiving. However, let's keep this component of a showroom because that helps with other parts of your business. Is that correct? Right. Because in the building that I'm in, the Cooper design building is probably like a perfect place because, you know, there's like seven of mankind is in here. Uh, Alice and Olivier, um, AG jeans. So there's a lot of, and, and they have a lot of components here. Like they have market weeks, um, especially since I'm going into the wholesale aspect of it. Um, they do brand assembly, which is buyers come in to, to shop. We do sample sales, which I'll never do again, but we have sample sales. Um, and then just if I want to, um, if like, if I wanted to have a personal sale here, the building is real helpful as far as sending stuff out to people. So this is like really the perfect building. If you were in the fashion industry, perfect, hands down. Yeah. So I think that's what's great. So even though I know you mentioned you might have lost some money with some of the moves, I think we learned along the way that there is a value to being to keeping that and then having another location for a larger industrial shipping and receiving. So I think, you know, you look at it in a positive way. I think there's two analysis that goes into that. There is. <laughs> there is. And trust and believe, you know, I, I probably probably drive Karina crazy because I'd be like, OK, I got to do this. and I got to do that. and I got to do this. But it's 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 interesting because. I have a vision of eventually how I want this company. And, you know, you're going to kill me in a little bit, but I have a vision where eventually one building, you know, where I can have two showrooms, um, you know, or three, matter of fact, three showrooms. And then even to the aspect of helping other brands that are up and coming, giving them a space, kind of like a co-working space, but it would just be more um, 
for the fashion industry or the shoe industry where they have a place where their shipping, where their fulfillment can be done. Cause that's a lot of it. It's like when you're working at your own living room, your own house and you, and you really can't afford office space. However, you're hearing my new idea that's coming to you right now. However, you can have an office, you know, and then you can have your fulfillment and it's not going to cost you of, of the level of having to go like, you know, paying first and last and deposits. And because starting out, everybody's not fortunate to have, you know, a lump sum of money to put into a business because you want to invest in your inventory. So the more people that I've talked to in probably in the past five months, I've kind of figured out, okay, you know what, this kind of makes sense to do something like that. So that's my whole vision eventually. And then, and then by, you know, Brian being in franchising, we're talking about even franchising that concept and then get another space on another side of town, which I like, I see you're learning all this today. Yeah, no, which I love. And I think that touches on a point that why you and I get along so well, right? We have the same passion of helping other people. Like there's more to it than just making money. There's more to it than just finding space or selling shoes. It's like, how do you pick someone up from where they are and like rise together, right? And so I I think that's the the common thread that like you and I have always um, appreciated. And, uh, you know, more women entrepreneurs out there, more people of color. We're both excited about that growth. So that's the thing about this, this, this new company, you have to be a person of color. So, and, 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 and the only reason why, you know, I feel like that is because we as people of color don't get the same opportunity as Caucasians. That's the realities. Okay. And, and, and also they don't like to help us either. So in my journey, if I can help somebody not make the same mistakes as I made, then I'm going to do it. And if I had somebody that helped me in the beginning, I, I would have rocked with them. But, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. But, you know, I've like I said, I've learned a whole lot. And so I have a whole lot of knowledge to give to somebody right now on what to do and what not to do. It kind of came, the ideal came across when I saw a company, I think it's called Saltbox, okay? And I'm nosy. I go out there and I visit to see what it's like. And I'm like, okay, this concept is okay. It's like the code, it's like uh. We works of of warehousing, it's okay, but they don't really offer anything to help a brand, if that makes sense. And what we're talking about doing is, if you need a marketing team, if you need a PR team, if you need a realtor, if you need somebody to help you scale your business, this is a component that they can get in one space. Okay, so I know you're a busy woman, so let's get to the rapid advice. So at the end of every episode, I want to ask every guest three questions. So the first one, give us one piece of advice from this whole office space search, the showroom space searches, industrial search from our experience together that can help someone else that's going through the same process. Click with your realtor. I think I think that's kind of key. I think because I know I can call you and say I'm looking for X, Y, Z and you know me by now um, what I like and what I don't like. And I think that if you go on a journey with somebody that you can't click with, they're not going to get your vision. And I think that's really key because it's it's almost like we're in a marriage because we're you know we're, we're together and we're looking and we're but if you have if you don't have that chemistry, then you don't really feel like it's an environment that you want to walk into. Or if you have or you get a, a realtor that just wants to sell you something just because they want to make a commission, that's another that's a whole nother angle. But I think having communication and liking that person is what's key. Great. Yeah. And as your broker, the feeling is mutual. I think, you know, you, have to, you want to work with clients that you want to work with. And that's part of the reason why I started my own firm, as you know. And so I'm excited that we're connected, obviously. So next question, what is your favorite entrepreneurial book to read? That's giving you inspiration, motivation. Tell us, uh, tell us what that is. 
Okay, it's called Never Give Up, and it's by uh, Melissa Miller. And in this journey, there's been many a times where I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to quit. Because um, you get frustrated when things don't go quite your way. This book, like like I said, being an entrepreneur is a lot of times where you just want to say, I'm just going to chuck this in. And, and, and I feel like I want to go back and do PR because that's where I was comfortable at. But um, it makes you feel like you're not the only person who feels like that. You know, she's, she talks about this book about how many times that she wanted to quit or she threw in the towel or she just... You know, she's rebranded like five times, but she, you know, she's got a multi-million dollar company now, but you know, it takes work to get to where you want to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. So last question, what's your favorite inspirational quote? Nothing beats a failure, but a try. I love that. And that came from my grandma. My grandmother used to say, nothing beats a failure, but a try. So if you don't try, how do you, you know, how are you going to know if you're going to fail or not? I'm going to keep that one. Thank you so much, Angie. I appreciate your time. I'm sure our listeners have enjoyed listening to you. You're so much fun. Um, and where can we, um, we'll put it in the show notes, but tell everybody where they can find you. They can find me on Instagram at Coco and Blue Collective. That's the sh- And then also I am Angie Collins. <laughs> and everything, both of those are all the way across for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Angie. All right. Thank